You are listening to The Lifecast, a podcast where we discuss topics around faith, family, and fun. Hey everyone, and welcome back to The Lifecast. This is episode four, and today we are going to be continuing our series called In the Beginning. And as we explore, we've been exploring the first 11 chapters of the Bible. And so today, today, the title of today's episode is, It's Not Good to Be Alone. And so we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 2 and kind of just simply discuss that, that we were created for relationships. And so I'm going to start with a story like I do every week. And so uh, yesterday I was having a conversation with Amber and... Um, I had been thinking about this this relationship that I've I've had with a friend of mine for a while and how how it's kind of a mixed bag relationship. There's a lot of things that I like about it, but um at the same time there's a a lot of resentment and um kind of talking about that and thinking through it and I had come to this epiphany if you will where I'd realized that a lot of my resentment was actually stemmed in jealousy. And so I'm just sharing all this kind of stuff with Amber, kind of just processing it all with her. And she says this thing to me in this moment that just, and it's as simple, it was as simple advice as as you could give a person. She said, you know, sometimes you make things way more complicated. And sometimes you make people way more complicated than, than they really are. She says, most people just want to be loved and accepted. And I, uh, I was laying on the floor because I was trying to pop my back when we were having this conversation. And I just set, I just laid there staring at the ceiling thinking that is the most brilliant thing I've ever heard. Mark, you make things way more complicated than they need to be when most of the time people are just looking for love and acceptance. It was one of those moments where you just really appreciate like the relationship, the love, the marriage that you're in, which leads us to today's passage. It says that the Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. So if you remember from last week, God created Adam out of the dust of the earth and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. Verse 16, and, God, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die, which we're going to deal with all of that next week. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all of the birds in the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. And so the man gave names to all of the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all of the wild animals. But no, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. And so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. 
The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. And Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. And so, goodness, what a, what a passage. And so there's a number of things that catch my attention from this. And so I kind of just got a list that I'm just going to work through um, as we think about that. And even as I was reading through that again, I, there's something else that jumped out at me. But first thing is this. God sees that it's not good that the man is alone. And so God has created us to be in relationship because it's not good for us to be um, isolated. It's not good for us to be alone. And if it's not good then, if it's not good then in the garden for Adam, then guess what? It's not good now for us here in this life, in this day and age. And this has, has, uh, you know, there are people that are married, there are people that are single. And I think this is, this isn't necessary. Isn't about marriage. It's just in general. It's not good for us as human beings to be alone. Like, life's just life's just too hard. This this past um, season for me, we've had a number of deaths in our church, and walking alongside people uh, when they're dealing with the the tragedies of their lives, it wasn't good for me to be alone. I'm so grateful to be able to partner with my father in ministry here at our church. I'm so grateful to have my wife to just come alongside me and and share um, and all of that. And, and it reminds me of this thing that dad always says when he does weddings, that that when we're married or when we're in relationship with someone or when we're in connected and deep, deep, meaningful relationships, that it our shared joy is double joy. Like whatever it is that we enjoy, whatever it is that brings us bliss or, or happiness, like when we're in relationship, it's doubled because we get to share it with the people that we love. And, and so it's not, it's not good for us to be alone. But not only is it true for the good things in life, but it's also true for the bad things. Because the other thing that dad says during these weddings is that then shared sorrows are half sorrows because we don't have to carry the burden by ourselves that we have other people who are willing to come alongside and carry things with us and and um, even sometimes carry us along the way as well if you know what I'm talking about like there have been people in our lives who just come along and they carry us because we can't even make the journey on our own and I would I would say that one of the most important things that we can learn to do in life is cultivate healthy relationships to um, not live in isolation because that's one of the things that we really want to do. We live in an isolated world. We have our own individual lives and and a lot of times we're not willing to open up and share. And I know that at least for me, being vulnerable and sharing the burdens of life, sharing my troubles, sharing my struggles can be a frightening thing. And it can be, at least for me, it can it. I assume that it's a sign of weakness, but the reality is that the strongest thing a person can do is be vulnerable. The strongest thing a person can do is cry and to, sh- and to share in struggles. 
And so it's not good for the man to be alone. That's the first thing that jumps out at me from this passage, that we were created for these relationships and that, that we share these relationships with one another, which leads to the next thing. In this passage, God says it's not good for him to be alone, that there's no suitable helper for him. And so he, he makes the animals to see if the animals will be a suitable helper. But obviously they're not. And so God puts Adam into a deep sleep and then splits him to reconnect him, I guess, is one way that you could think about it. But what's terribly interesting about this is that, I don't know, suitable helper is the worst translation of what's going on here in the Hebrew language, which um, is is much deeper and rich than, than our modern English language. When, when God says suitable helper, or when the writer write, records suitable helper, the actual phrase for helper is the word ezer. And the word for suitable, and I'm going to butcher this, the word for suitable is the word negada, which I'm not sure that's how you say it. And, and so let me go through what those two words mean. The ezer, or the helper, is mentioned about 21, 24 times in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Old Testament. Twice in relation to Eve, but the rest of the times in relation to God. And so the word actually it's conveying a power or a strength. It's a word of military um, connotations, if you will. To be an Ezer is to be a protector. To be an Ezer is to be a deliverer. It's not to assist out of weakness, but it's one who can help because they have the passions, the power, the purpose, the abilities to carry their own weight, to like really have your back. And, and, and the word suitable, it, it actually kind of means to be face to face, which is very important to understand. It's this idea that Eve stands face to face with Adam, like not in his shadow, but as an equal partner who is his protector. Like she's got his back. And, and so I just wanted to show you like a couple of other places in the Bible where this is found, where it's in, actually in reference to God. Like for example, in Psalm 33, the writer says, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help, our Ezer and our shield. Another place in Psalm 70, it says, But I am poor and needy. Hasten to me, O God. You are my help, my Ezer, my deliverer. O Lord, do not delay. And so you can go through this and think of all, you need a suitable helper. And I, I even remember like early in my, in my marriage, um, putting my foot in my mouth um, with, with not understanding this passage. But the reality is, man, like she's got his back. As I think about my marriage and thinking about Amber having my back and being my protector and wanting to come um, to my aid and deliver me from times in where I've been taken the wrong way. And, and, and so I just that catches my attention and, and understanding that to be woman then is to be an Ezer, to be a protector, to be to have that passion and that purpose, that power, to be and to stand face to face with your spouse or with with men in general. And I think that we're moving into a 
a season in, in human history where we're really starting to understand the full implications of that. But it's right there at the very beginning of the story that this is exactly what God intended is for man and woman to, to stand shoulder to shoulder as equals, which leads us then to the next point. When Adam sees her, he sings a song. Now it's, it's a little rough around the edges, but it's the first love song in history. He says, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. And the reality of this is that what Adam is saying here, it's, it's poetic in nature and the idea that where he is weak, his wife is strong. And where she is, she is weak, he is strong. And that that she was created, they were created together uh, to complement one another and to complete each other as they share their relationship with God. It's this extension of the Trinitarian nature of God that in the same way that God is a relationship, Father, Son, and Spirit, that then you, we are in relationship with one another and with God. And we extend the image of God. We extend this Trinitarian understanding throughout all of creation. Like, like Jerry Maguire says, uh, you complete me. I remember a couple years ago hearing this song by Justin Timberlake. He wrote this song called Mirrors. And I was just going to read the, the chorus to you because it, it, I think it resonates with what Adam is trying to convey here with understanding that she's bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. Justin Timberlake says this. He says, I don't want to lose you now. I'm looking right at the other half of me. The vacancy that sat in my heart is a space that now you hold. Show me how to fight for now. And I'll tell you, baby, it was easy coming back to you once I figured it out. You were right here all along. It's like you're my mirror, my mirror staring back at me. I couldn't get any bigger with anyone else beside of me. And now it's clear as this promise that we're making two reflections into one, because it's like you're my mirror, my mirror staring back at me. I mean, isn't that something, man? Gosh, that Justin Timberlake, thousands of years after the fact, still resonating with that impulse that we've been created for relationships and that in those relationships, we find someone that completes us. And this isn't about marriage. This is about humanity. This is about friendships. This is about love. This is about relationships. This is about finding the people in your life who are willing to carry the weight. Finding the people in your life who are willing to protect your back. Because it's not good to be alone. Which leads to the last thought. Or last observation. It says that Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Now you can read that on the surface level like we talked about before. Like they were just, they're naked, right? But what does it really mean to be naked? To be naked is to, to bear all, to, to be vulnerable. And what, what I think the writer is saying here is that there was nothing separating the two from one another. Like they had shared it all they had bared it all and they felt no shame and that's what true love that's what true relationship is about is being 
is about being able to be vulnerable with other people and yet still feel no shame, which isn't that a beautiful thought and a thing. And so how does this challenge us? Like, what do we take away from this? If we're created for relationships, then how do we get to live? How do we, how do we cultivate that? How do we steward that? And just so a couple of thoughts real fast. Number one, when I'm, whenever I'm given marriage counseling, and this is true for marriage, but it's true for just any relationship in general. This is true for your children. This is true for your friends. The number one thing to cultivate relationships with people is learning how to serve them. And so it begins with serving because what serving does is it takes your focus off of you and it puts the focus on someone else because the reality is, is that we can be super selfish by nature. And so when we begin to develop the discipline of serving other people, it takes that focus off off of us in our selfishness and it begins to grow our hearts. And so for me, there are, there are little disciplines like I, I carry Annabelle down the stairs every morning. I serve her to remind her of how special she is. I used to carry Evan down the stairs, but now he could carry me down the stairs. So I've learned to serve him in, in different ways. Every morning I make Amber a cup of coffee, whether she deserves it or not, because it's not about her. It's about me learning to open my heart and, and take the focus off of me and love and serve her, not because she deserves it, because she's a gift. That's the thing that we have to understand is that these people, the people in your life, they are a gift. And so you learn how to serve people. The, the next step is learning how to sacrifice. And, and you sacrifice because of a goal, don't you? Like teams, they sacrifice because they, they want to win a, win a game. And so it's learning how to sacrifice for one another. And so you, you, you determine goals and you determine things that you want. I want to be healthy. I want to be happy. And so I'm going to sacrifice certain things in my life so that I can achieve those things and, and achieve the, those things in relationships with people, which then leads to kind of the third thing. And the third thing is that you learn to begin to submit to people. And submission is like sacrifice, but you don't do it because of the goal. You do it because of the person. You do it because you love the person. And and I would say don't submit to people that are toxic. Don't submit to people that aren't willing to sacrifice for you. But when you found that person or when you found those people that are willing to go to distance with you, man, it's important to learn how to go the distance for them. And so kind of just setting up uh, the, the story of as we've been working through these first two chap- chapters of Genesis. I hope that you guys have been enjoying this. And there's so much in these stories. It's unbelievable. But so far what we've learned is that we've been created in the image of God to represent Him, um, to reflect Him, that we are this divine this paradox of divine flesh or divine breath and dirt flesh and so we're we're fragile and that we've been created for relationship to extend God's love and mercy and grace to all of the world and to take care of it 
And so I hope you guys are enjoying this. I really am enjoying it. And so uh, next week we're going to talk. We're going to move into Genesis chapter three and talk about why are there two trees in the garden and what's up with the talking snake and all those kinds of questions that perhaps you've had. And so can't wait to jump into that with you guys next week. We'll see you then. Bye. Thank you again for listening to the Livecast. Remember that if you enjoy what you're listening to, please subscribe, like, and share the episodes that you have found meaningful. And also, if you're listening on iTunes, please drop us a review that helps people find the show. Blessings to you guys. See you next week.